Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. there's this concept of winning and losing that we're all very familiar with. I think that if we talk about times in our life when we felt that we've won, uh, you know, we would be, I think, beaming probably from ear to ear. We would be smiling. We would be talking about it with such enthusiasm about how we overcame and had obstacles and challenges, but none of those things prevented us from experiencing the sweet cup of victory. And we talk about those victorious moments like they are so ever fresh in our minds. And we can sometimes embellish the details as well. Uh, Every time we tell the story, it gets a little bit more interesting and uh, a little bit more exciting and definitely possibly even, uh, you know, a little bit more dramatic in, in terms of the outcome and how it all plays out uh, in our minds. But the reality is also that we have experienced heavy losses. And and I think that those heavy losses have weighed on us probably a lot more than the winning has impacted us. And if I think back on my life, I, I, I not only remember the losses more, but I feel like they've impacted me more. I, I've not only learned from those losses, but I feel like I'm sometimes still reliving them and experiencing the trauma and the tragedy of of those losses in my life. But there's something about God that tells me and reminds me that I can not only overcome these losses, but that I can experience victory in a way and at a level and in a sphere of my life where maybe I have just resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to live a life of victory. The interesting thing about the story that we're in today is that it's a story that we all know so well that we may ignore and even possibly miss the powerful truths that are in it. You guys familiar with the story of of David and Goliath? I'm sure at some point you've heard this story and you've heard this analogy used over and over again. But today I want to speak to you about one aspect in this story that maybe, possibly, you haven't quite heard enough about. And that is the invisible armor in which David wore. I want to speak to you about this topic because I feel like I'm often out in the world feeling unprotected. I feel super vulnerable to the attacks of not just people, but this world in which we live in by the people who govern it, by the people who have the power in it, by the people who have the money to make the decisions 
for everyone else. Sometimes I feel extremely vulnerable when I see events happening across the world, wondering, what if this comes here? Sometimes I live my life thinking that I'm not just vulnerable to these large events, but I'm, I'm vulnerable to these small everyday events, to the simple things of just earning a salary and paying my bills or making up the debt that I've accumulated or just the relationships that I'm in and the conflicts and the compromises that we're constantly making to try to keep things together. The dreams that we may have set aside for the realities that are teaching us and telling us and sometimes taking from us our hopes for a better future. And in all of these circumstances and situations, we find ourselves vulnerable. I want you to see that in this story, David was seen as the least and the most vulnerable in his own family. And yet when God saw him, he didn't see that at all. In fact, even when David looked at himself, while no one respected him and saw him as even having any potential to do anything great ever in his life, that is not how David saw himself. And it's a reminder of how our relationship with God is so important because it changes the way that we see ourselves. And if we are to depend on what is around us or who is with us, then we will find ourselves always feeling vulnerable and unprepared for what is coming next. And I believe that God doesn't want that for you, doesn't want that for me, doesn't want that for any of us. And so we're going to read a few verses that are going to shine this important light on this topic right now. Well, in 1 Samuel 17 and in verse 32, it says, don't worry about this Philistine David told Saul, I'll go fight him. And it's amazing that in this first verse, David is free of worry. He is empty of all concern. He is going in with full confidence. And yet, no one in his entire country, including his king, possesses anything resembling the confidence that David has in this moment. And I can tell you that right from the start, we see that David's confidence is not in himself, but it is in something greater. And then Saul says to him, don't be ridiculous. And I believe that there are moments in our lives where we just look ridiculous when we speak faith in the face of giants. 
We look ridiculous when we have confidence that we can overcome this when everything is speaking to the fact that we are already defeated. We look ridiculous when we speak of victory when it's clear that we've already lost. It makes no sense to be someone like David is in this story like we can be in our life when everything is speaking to the defeat instead of the battle that actually has already been won. And when David steps into this tent, I imagine, that belonged to the king and stood before the king And he has the audacity to say, don't worry, I got this. Of course, Saul is going to come back and say, don't be ridiculous. Like, I like the attitude, kid, but let's be honest here. Like, you have no place in this tent, no place in this fight. There's no way that you can be here right now. And that's what he says. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. And then the first thing he does is that he mentions his age. And he says, you're, you're a boy. And he's a man. And, and he's a man of war since his youth. It's like you're going into a cage fight, dude, and you have no chance of winning. There's no way you're going to come out of this alive. You are completely unprepared. I want to tell you something right now. There's never been a situation in my life that I've ever gone into that I have felt completely prepared for. I'll tell you that even as I walked into that hotel last night, and had to give a chapel, which I have done over and over again. I was filled with the nervousness that comes with having to speak on on God's behalf and share his word and bring insights that can possibly change a person's life. That even in a moment in which I have done it over and over and over again, just like today in this place, I feel that same desire to throw up all over this stage. (laughs) I won't, because I've learned to hold that stuff back, push that stuff down, and make it through. But it's still there. And I'll tell you that the moment it isn't is the moment I am most afraid. Because it is the moment that I know that I am relying on myself instead of the God who put me in that position. In that very place, to do something on his behalf. My confidence can't come from my repetition. It has to come from my representation of the king. And you have to believe that for yourself. And so in that moment that David steps into the situation, David persisted. He goes, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. What a resume. Imagine even bothering to say something like that. 
Like, what is he doing? Are you trying to get yourself killed in the king's tent? Because this is going to do it. It's like, come on, that's your resume? You took care of cute sheep and goats? Like, really? That's it? And he says, then he goes on to explain. He goes, but you don't understand. Wait, 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 let me explain. He's like, there was a lion and a bear, and they came to steal from the flock. Oh, this is what I did. I went after it with a club, and I rescued the lamb from its mouth, and then if the animal even turned on me, I'd catch it by the jaw, and I would club it to death. And he goes, I've done this. And then he says, plural, I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, because he has done something. He has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And then Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. And then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, which is like not a coat from Canada Post. It's, it's like mail, meaning like it's made out of metal. And, um, and then David put it on, and, and then he strapped a sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like. Because he had never, look at this, he had never worn such things. And then he says, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. And David took them off again. And the Bible says that he went and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream. And he put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine David, who relied on his experience as a shepherd, not so much, but more on his relationship with God. I want us to see that this moment is really about how David was a shepherd with invisible armor. He took it off. He took off what Saul had given him. And I believe that Saul is a king who is just lost what it means to be the king of God's people. He's lost his way. And the only way that he knows how to rule is the way that a king should rule the way that every other king rules over his people. And so instead of Saul being a king who would rule after God's own heart, the way that God would want him to rule, Saul has just become a king like all the others. And so, of course, when enemies come, Saul is going to do what everyone else does in a moment like this. He's going to look for a warrior. He's going to look for someone who's going to come out and fight the Philistines. In the time in which this battle is being fought, it's interesting to note that there are no workers of steel and no steel to be found by the Israelites. None of this are resources that are available to them. They are owned and monopolized by the Philistines. 
The only thing that the Israelites actually have are farm instruments. And every time they need those instruments sharpened, they have to bring them to the Philistines and they get charged three quarters of a shekel, which is an extremely high price for what was being done. And so not only are they constantly under the weight of an enemy, but they don't even have any means to fight him. And so when they go into this battle, of course no one wants to go against the people who have the steel, who have the swords and the spears, and who at this time were known to have over 3,000 chariots. They were so outnumbered in every possible way that there was no Israelite among them who would want to go and face even one soldier, let alone all the others. And so if you've ever wondered why there was only one giant who was taunting the entire Israelite army, now you understand why. And this is important context because when David decides to go into battle and he doesn't have any armor, he's okay with going down to the stream and just getting five smooth stones for his slingshot. And what this reminds us is that David is someone whose entire dependence is on God. And he learned that total dependence on God. He learned that total dependence on God when he was out alone in the hillside as a shepherd. And it was in those moments that David not only learned to pray, but it was in those moments where he learned to play music where he wrote the Psalms. And so what we see is a shepherd who is completely reliant on God through prayer and worship and isn't afraid to go up against a giant because his confidence is not in his profession, his experience, or his weaponry. His confidence is in his relationship with God. And when you have that kind of relationship with God, you will go out into any situation and you believe wholeheartedly that not only is God with you, but God is going to fight for you. It was in those moments that David learned humility where shepherds were not respected in his day. His brothers even mocked him when he showed up at the field that day. They were so disrespectful to him. They were making fun of him, saying, thanks for bringing us our lunch. And you know that shepherds in that day were not even respected enough for their own testimony to be validated in a court of law. And yet Jesus shows up to shepherds on his birth and he does that to demonstrate that there is no one in his kingdom, not anyone who is not worthy of not only seeing him, knowing him, but then also declaring him to the world.
everything is tied in. Everything means something. And the scriptures tell us that he learned to be skillful, not with what he didn't have, but what he did have. Not with what wasn't in his hand, but what was. And so the five smooth stones, a reflection of his mastery over the slingshot and how he had confidence that he could go into any battle, no matter what it was, with what he had become skillful with. He didn't have to wear Saul's armor because he already had one of his own. God is not asking you to be someone you're not. He's not asking you to acquire skills that you don't have. He's able to use you the way you are, where you're at right now with who he and with what he has already entrusted you with. And when David gets called into battle, he doesn't go to some dojo and train for six months. He doesn't go in through this, this exercise of like stabbing straw soldiers. He doesn't learn how to fight like a gladiator. Although that would have been a really cool part in the story, but it's not there. He just goes as himself. And it's ridiculous. God is saying, I want you to go as yourself and when everyone else says it's ridiculous know this the battle has already been won can we say amen to that come on see David learns that he can take off Saul's armor because he's got something else he has invisible armor he has invisible armor invisible armor and he's able to fight bears and and he's able to fight lions and win because he's got this invisible armor wherever it is that he goes he discovers that he has this with him always my uncle was a tailor not just an average tailor he was Probably one of the best tailors on Jean Talon Street in the east end of Montreal. And people would go to him and pay big money to make him make his suits. And my uncle wasn't the owner of this shop. He was just the tailor in it. And he used to make suits for his sons that anybody would envy. When those boys walked into church, people knew, oh, those Pasquale's boys, they're so, look at those suits. The tailoring was always impeccable. The material, the highest quality, and, and on and on. And then I was able, with my brothers, to inherit those suits. Never had a suit tailored for me, but my mom was a seamstress, and so she would take my cousins hand-me-down suits and she would adjust them to me when my cousins were done with them because they had outgrown them and because they were older than I and my brothers we were able to pass those things down my my son is still wearing one of those suits by the way no I'm just joking <laughs> but it would have been a cool story but but the point is that those 
suits were always hand-me-downs. And no matter how good you feel and look in a suit, it, it, it's always a little disappointing when someone comes up to you and says, oh, wow, this is my old suit. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for saying that in front of my friends. Yeah, appreciate that. Whatever moment I thought in that moment of looking good and feeling good and looking somewhat cool is gone forever. And that would happen all the time. Someone would recognize it and, and compliment and say, oh, wow, you look so good in this that, you know, belong to your cousin. And, and it got to the point where I finally was graduating high school and my mom surprised me and she did something that was completely unexpected. She walked into my uncle's shop where he worked and my uncle didn't even know this was happening. And she said, today I am buying my son his suit. And I, man, it still brings me to tears because I know how much money she dropped that day. The money that I don't know how she had collected and saved and the things that she had to have done to, to make that possible. And my uncle was just so in shock. He didn't know how to respond. And my mom said, you see all the materials that are in this shop? I want you to just, just choose whichever one you want. And I, I don't know how he managed to do it, but I walked over to the most expensive cloth in the place. And my uncle is right in my ear and he's saying, not that one. <laughs> Not that one. And, and I, I'm like, well, but this is the one that I like. I wasn't getting it. I, this is the one that I want. And he's like, not that one. Your mother doesn't have the money for that. Not that one. I was like, oh. And my mother hears it. And she goes, no, no, no. If that's the one my son wants, that's the one he's going to get. And my uncle made me a suit. That was the first time I understood what it felt to have like invisible armor. Like when I was to put that suit on, like, I mean, I just felt like, wow. It wasn't just the fact that my uncle had made it, but the sacrifices that my mom had made for me to have it. It was, it was like she had given up so much for me to be able to just feel good. I know you know what it looks like to, to, to buy something and feel good in it, to look good in it, and, to, and how that feeling fades sometimes. But when I tell this story today, I can assure you that feeling has not faded. That suit means to me more today than it did even on the day that it was made for me. And I can tell you that what we don't sometimes understand is the sacrifice that God has made to give us all an invisible suit of armor. Can we say amen to that? Like it's just there. And, and, and Saul gives him his. He gives him his best. The reason it sells a helmet of bronze because he wants, he wants everyone to know I'm giving him my best. But guess what? It doesn't fit. And when the armor doesn't fit, it's because it was never meant for you. It was never meant for you. But God has an invisible armor that is fit just for you. It is custom made. He made it just for you. And you are to go out into the world with that armor. 
Because someone else's armor cannot protect you. And you've got to take it off. You've got to leave it behind. Someone else's armor cannot protect you. Someone else's armor is always going to be too heavy. It's going to be too heavy for you to be able to walk in. The Bible says that David took steps and he said that it was too heavy. It was too uncomfortable. He said, I cannot go in these. It wasn't made for him because someone else's armor is too heavy. You cannot wear what someone else has had made for them. It's got to fit you. Someone else's armor is always going to limit your freedom. There is no way that you are going to be able to do everything that God has called you to do. You cannot go into battle and not be able to walk the way that he has asked you to walk, to present yourself the way that he has called on you to show up on that day, in that moment, for that reason. You cannot allow someone else's armor to limit your freedom. And you cannot allow someone else's armor to prevent the victory. And when David recognized this, he just set it aside and he went back to his slingshot. And he went to just wearing the clothes that he had walked into that tent that day. And he was okay with just taking the stones that he would need to go into battle. And the Bible describes that when he goes into battle, he's not just going in against Goliath, but he's going in prepared that in case his brothers show up, he's got stones for them too. Five stones for five giants, one shot for each. That's how confident he was in God and in what he had been given as invisible armor. Confident in his slingshot, confident in his aim, confident in how he had been given the victory time and time again, confident in how God had shown up and given him victories over lions and bears that he knew that if he went against this giant, it was just a bigger animal. It didn't matter who it was, what it was, didn't matter what it was called, didn't matter where it was from, didn't matter how much experience it had, didn't matter that he couldn't even probably carry or lift that dude's sword, it just mattered that he was going into it knowing that his invisible armor was going to be enough. Do you know what it says about armor in the Bible? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, it says this, I give you this final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Your confidence is in God. It's not in you. It's not in your strength. But God is going to use everything that you are, not asking you to be something that you're not and not something that you do not have. And then it says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. God is saying, I'm going to give you an armor that is going to protect you every day that you are out there. That when people are scheming against you and when the enemy is laying out traps for you, I'm going to give you the insight to be able to see it. I'm going to give you the protection that you need in the moment in which you need it. That you are not going out there vulnerable, you're going out there protected. 
and you are protected with the armor of God. And God says, I want you to put that on. God will fit you with his invisible armor to help you live fearlessly. Do you believe that? He wants you to live fearlessly like David did. He went in there so confident, not in himself, but in God and the invisible armor that God had put on him. And that's the confidence that we need to go out into the world with today. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. As we conclude this gathering, I want you to think about how God has just helped you through the battles of your life, how he's with you right now, how he wants to give you that fearlessness through the armor that he has tailor-made just for you. That armor that he's going to put on you and on no one else because it's made just for you. He's going to give you that confidence to go out into the world knowing that you are not vulnerable. You can be fearless just like David was. Because no matter what comes against you, it cannot defeat you because your enemy is already defeated. The battle has already been won. David walked around like the battle was won. And I pray that right now, Father, you would help us to walk around with that same confidence with the armor that you have put on each of us. Thank you for the way that you have tailor made that armor for us, for the way that you have taken everything into consideration, how nothing is wasted and all of it useful for the victory ahead. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.